the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Bisberg. I'm your host, Mike Howard, and we are in studio with no stranger at all to the Bisberg crowd, Tim Seckler from Seckler Law. Tim, welcome back to Bisberg. Hey, thanks for having me. I feel like we haven't been here in a while, but then there was holidays and and all that good stuff, but you're back now. It's been a bit, yeah. yeah so I, I appreciate being back. I love doing this. Well, uh, and we might call this, you know, breaking news kind of thing, maybe for the area you're in with all that everyone is going through right now. Um, but we want to go some basics real quick again, just so people know who you are, yeah. what you're all about. Uh, you are a certified elder law attorney. Now, I think I still remember what that means, but for those of us who do have sure. short memories, tell us. All right. So um, in my practice, we really see three types of cases. I see uh, uh, we do post-death administration work. So if you've lost a family member, we'll help you get through that mm-hmm. that process. Um, we do estate planning, wills, trust, powers of attorney, which is a lot of what we're going to chat about here today, I believe. And then we do what we call nursing home crisis cases, where if you have a loved one in a nursing home and you are paying privately for that care, uh, we advise families on how to protect assets and become eligible for Medicaid programs or VA programs or, or what other government programs we can use to uh, to pay that bill. So a certified elder law attorney, to, to answer your question directly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't really take much to put elder law on your website or on your uh, billboard. But if you're certified, you've been doing this stuff pretty much full time for about five years to be able to certify you've got enough of these different types of cases, then you can sit for a really tricky test. So I'm not the only certified elder law attorney in Pittsburgh, but there's there really is only a handful of us, and uh, you know, if your listeners think I'm a jerk after they're done listening to this, then, <laughs> but you have these concerns, you probably need to find somebody that's certified in this practice area. Well, and it is amazing with Bisberg and the internet and, and what's online that you're going to have people from around this area that live somewhere else, uh, and so that's, that's a right. great that's a great yep. tip for them to be looking for a certified attorney. Now, you have uh, really two things I think that bring in your personal aspect to this, your experience with this, which led you into this practice, I sure. guess, but also the help that you. You can uh, provide veterans, if nothing else, from an empathetic standpoint, being one sure. yourself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think the first point you were referencing is is I got into this practice area because uh, my grandfather was an Alzheimer's patient, ended up going through a pile of money in a long term care event, and you know basically all of the assets that he had worked his entire career to accumulate got kind of sapped by Alzheimer's disease and had had my family reached out to an elder law attorney this is way back a, a long time ago mm-hmm. there wasn't really elder law attorneys around but uh you know i realized after i started doing this i could have saved my own grandfather a whole bunch of money wow. and, and so that was really the driving force behind me starting my own law practice and advising people on these issues and i and i am a veteran i served in afghanistan uh back in 2005 and 6 and so i uh, always have a, a special place in our office for those vets and as always, we like to thank you for that service, Tim. Uh, you're listening to Bisberg. The sponsor today is Seckler Law, and the website is S-E-C-H-L-E-R, SecklerLawFirm.com. Phone number 724-841-1393. I'm your host, Mike Howard. And Tim, tell us about where your offices are and maybe general general overview of the practice. Sure. Yeah, so we already uh, chatted a bit about the different types of cases we see. My main office is in Mars. I'm right on Route 228, so on the main drag up in Mars Cranberry area. I uh, 
I have offices uh, north of there in Butler and Newcastle, and then we have an office in Mount Lebanon as well. Um, most of our uh, our practice, I suppose, has from an estate planning standpoint, is probably in the North Hills, but we, we certainly take cases from all around uh, the city in western Pennsylvania. Now, normally about this time in the program, you and I start talking about workshops, so people can come meet with you, see you, and talk about that. Right. Those are a little bit temporarily delayed, <laughs> to say it nicely. Tell them what, uh, what the workshops are about, but then what you're doing about that right now. Right. So we're recording this late March 2020, and, and the world has kind of been turned upside down in the last uh, 10 days with the coronavirus and everything that's going on with people not being able to go to work and school and um, gather in any kind of any large event. Right? Gathering, so yeah. our practice has largely for a long time when when people reach out to my office, I'm not the kind of person that thinks it's, it's the right idea to just sit down with a lawyer and start billing the people right away because what happens is the you know a typical estate planning process could be three, four meetings. Lawyers are billing time and initial consultation fees and whatnot for providing education because there's a certain amount of education that needs to occur Mm -hmm. before somebody feels confident making an estate planning decision. And so what we have done in our practice for a long time is we host host workshops, right? Come in, get the education for free. We don't want to bill you for that. Um, Get all the information you need, and then we'll have the initial consultation. And then because, you know, we've been able to expedite our process a little bit, we don't even charge for the initial consultation, right? So it, it has really been a process that has worked both for us and for our our clients to be able to get that information out mm-hmm. there and, and have them empowered to make informed decisions. Now, the challenge with the coronavirus, one of many, many challenges <laughs> with the coronavirus is we can't do workshops right now. Um, the venues are shutting us down, and it makes sense. We don't want to get 25 people in a small space. And so uh, we have been working real hard over the course of the last week to, to uh, come up with some new capabilities. So what we're doing is we are now hosting estate planning and elder law webinars. So you can go on, you can log in, it, it doesn't cost you anything. And we're presenting the educational information that way rather than uh, in the workshop. And, and still, like now we're in a situation where you really shouldn't be coming to my office four and five times, right? So right. Uh, I don't know how to do it other than with digital content. And so we're putting the webinars out there for people. Uh, we've actually had a very good response. We had full workshops already scheduled. All the people are comfortable transitioning to the webinar mm-hmm. format. It just, it just makes sense right now. So uh, you know, and I, I really just did this, uh, recorded this new one, but we're going to do it live a few times for younger families. So mm-hmm. just like basic estate planning, wills, powers of attorney, health care directives, you've got young kids. Uh, and it's kind of a neat thing because what we do during the video is I tell you to go get a sheet of paper. And as we're walking through the material, you're writing down the name of your executor and your power of attorney and the different things. Yeah. So by the time you're done with the webinar, 80% of your estate plan is complete. The only thing we have to do is have a, a phone call to make sure that you understand the tax ramifications of a couple of different things, and let's mm-hmm. walk through a couple of what-ifs. But then we've got enough information to be able to write your documents. We can send them to you. Um, and, and so basically we've eliminated a three- to four-step process or three- to four-meeting process into one meeting where you have to come in and sign your documents. Um, you know, the law requires a lot of these documents to be witnessed and notarized. There's really no way around that. But we can make that a pretty quick 15-minute meeting, and mm-hmm. you're in, you're out, you wash your hands on the way in and out, and, and, <laughs> uh, and get the estate planning documents. Because we have we have seen uh, in the last week a, a, a big uptick in people that want to update their documents. Sure. 
and, and it makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's the will, and I, I guess that probably doesn't need much explanation. But financial power of attorney, healthcare directives. You know, we have clients in the nursing homes right now who their kids are not allowed to go in and see them. Right. And we've got uh, with everything going on. You know, we ha- we may be in situations where we're essentially confined to our house for long periods of time. If if I get sick, I should stay home for weeks. Probably. Right. Well, who's going to go and deal with the tax man on my behalf? Who's going to deal with the financial advisor? Who's going to deal with the bank? Who's going to who's going to go out and make those decisions if I'm not allowed to leave my house? Who's going to make my health care decisions if I'm not doing great? And this is a time in particular where we ought to be thinking about that stuff. We ought to be getting these documents uh, um, completed so that we've got that plan in place. And so we think we've come up with a pretty good way to provide this service to people uh, while limiting the face-to-face interaction, but uh, but still getting uh, excellent uh, you know information out there and really good documents. So. Excellent. You're listening to Bizberg. I'm your host, Mike Howard. We are in studio with Tim Seckler from the Seckler Law Firm. That's S-E-C-H-L-E-R. So Seckler Law Firm. Dot com phone number seven two four eight four one one three nine three and I would uh, encourage all those out here who might be saying like, that you may have said I just didn't have time to get to a workshop. Well, if you're at home now, you got time. Yeah, you got time. <laughs> Turn off Netflix for an hour, for right? An hour. And watch the estate planning workshop and and do something productive. It doesn't, you know, the watching a workshop doesn't cost you anything. But go ahead and pop the popcorn anyhow, right? <laughs> but right. Just just turn off, turn off. Uh, get get some education. Get some education and, and for let's, sure. Let's uh, let's get some good planning in place. Well, as Tim always knows, I like to throw uh, one little question out there, and the thought, you know, came to my mind for me or someone else who might be, you know, a little older if they got this thing, and or, or much older, and they haven't set this up. Um, powers of attorney, whether it's medical or or financial, whatever. They can be changed at any time, right? As long as that person is still alive and can oh, yeah. make a yeah. so. So maybe some people might want to say, you know what? For a month, I definitely could use this because who knows how long it could be. Yeah, you need to know them, and, and power of attorney documents are, are always revocable the way that we draft okay. them, right? So it's it's something you might feel like, uh, you know, here's the person in 2020, but by 2030, maybe my kid is now an adult and I want to switch it over. But that's that's a document that's always revocable and amendable. All right. Well, let's talk more about uh, asset protection planning. I mean, it is expensive to be in a nursing home. Yeah. These days. So, um, nursing homes on average cost just shy of eleven thousand dollars a month, right? And and you know when you couple that statistic with what the Alzheimer's Association is telling us that one in three seniors is going to die with dementia, uh, it seems to me like we ought to be thinking about how we're going to handle this this event if we end up needing it. You know, Alzheimer's disease. That's just Alzheimer's. That's just dementia. It, it, that doesn't count for strokes or Parkinson's or any of these other healthcare issues where people require long term mm-hmm. care. So. If there's a statistically strong chance I'm going to need some form of long-term care and it's it's expensive enough to break me financially, then why you know I had better have a plan around how I'm going to deal with that. And so uh, there, that really breaks down into two things. One is from an estate planning standpoint, you can plan ahead, and that's one of the you know if you if you check out uh, the the webinars we've been uh, talking about, that's where you're going to find a lot of that content. The other is. For those families who did not have their plan in place ahead of time, if you've got a loved one that's in a nursing home now and you're going through those types of bills, you ought to give us a shout mm-hmm. because we can analyze the situation. And often, even after somebody's in a nursing home, you know, we're able to protect assets because Medicaid has these rules that kind of require you to go broke. But like with a lot of this stuff, there's rules, then there's exceptions to the rules, then there's exceptions to the exceptions of the rules. And it's really those little nuances where the opportunities live. 
and you need to have your your situation evaluated by by somebody who does this. Uh, but we're often able to find that we can protect some some real assets for families. And even if you've got people out there that think they're pretty smart on this and might have done some research, it changes so much. Well, you've got to, that's where I think the certified thing comes back yeah, in. It changes a lot, and and you know you can if you're trying to do this self help, which I, I tell people that you know Medicaid spend down planning is not a self help project, right? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna screw it up. But the like you could read stuff on the internet but see medicaid is a federal program that is state implemented so you could be reading something on the internet that might be true in illinois but it's not true in pennsylvania and and so and sometimes like the way these cases unfold you can you can have different treatment per county right and so it uh you really have to you really have to be in it if you're not in it you're not in it you know you're listening to bisberg our guest today is uh attorney tim seckler from the Seckler Law Firm, S-E-C-H-L-E-R. That's a SecklerLawFirm.com. You can go there to find out now about the webinars and uh, stay tuned to his website for one day when the workshops return because I'm sure they'll probably go back to that. Uh, phone number is 724-841-1393. Well, Tim, let's, uh, let's take the opportune time to talk about uh, how to plan when there is a crisis. Sure. So basic, you know, basic estate planning really boils down to three documents. You need to have your will. Um, and that's kind of self-explanatory, right? I mean, the will name's the executor. That's the person in control uh, when you pass away, the person who makes decisions, mm-hmm. and then you name who gets the stuff, right? And, and wills can do some other things, but that's really sort of the high-level thing. Uh, what I'm really concerned about for folks who haven't done any estate planning is the financial power of attorney and the health care directive, right? So uh, a basic estate plan is three documents, the will, the financial power of attorney, the living will, which we, we do is what's called an advanced directive. But So the financial power of attorney, if you don't have a financial power of attorney, my opinion is you should get a financial power of attorney. I mean, this is every adult should have a financial power of attorney. They should hand these things out with diplomas when you get out of high school. Right? <laughs> as soon as you're done. Because yeah. <clears throat> at any point in time, any of us could be in a car accident and become incapacitated, right? So you you need to... You need to have this plan in place. And, you know, I'll tell you some uh, uh, situation in particular right now for your listeners is right now college is off, right? Or there's online classes. A lot of the college kids are home right now. It is an excellent opportunity to get those college students some documents in place, okay? Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about for mom and dad. I'm talking about for the kids because if my kid goes to college out of town, and my kid is quarantined in his dorm, or my kid gets sick and goes to the hospital out of town, and that child is 19, 20 years old, (coughs) he's an adult as far as the law is concerned. And I can't just talk to his doctor because I'm dad. He's an adult. He's got to give a release. But if if he can't, uh, then... Um, we got to go through this process of establishing who's who and who's, you know, it, it's way easier to have that healthcare directive in place. It says, mm-hmm. look, if I'm the college student and I get sick or I get hurt, my parents can make healthcare decisions uh, or financial decisions. You know, if you've got a kid, we all know that when, when um, college students are off in college, oftentimes there's some financial support going on with the parents, right? But if the parents need to take over sort of control of the finances because mm-hmm. the kid is quarantined or the kid is sick, uh, now how are we going to do that? We don't have the legal authority to do it. It's the kid's money, right? And so a financial power of attorney is a document that can allow mom and dad to maintain control of the situation yeah. for that adult child. And, and I think that, that that makes a ton of sense. And with all these college kids sitting on their couch right now watching Netflix, I think it's a good opportunity to say, hey, you know, let's, let's get something important done. Well, and my simple little mind says, what about the possibility of uh, spouses having, you know, reciprocal 
Oh, financial yeah, power yeah, of his yeah. attorney. So if you are married, I, the most common thing to do is to name your spouse in these documents, right? right? And then go and, have a date with an attorney and get it done. <laughs> I mean, there are more romantic things you Absolutely, can be doing, but, but hey, uh, if no more uh, important things. Let's, uh, let's be honest. Yeah, I tell you what, come to the attorney's office and get the thing done, and then and then go out to eat. And have go out to eat. Date, there right? you yeah. go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's go a little bit more into this whole thought of maintaining control. Because if you do get quarantined, I mean, wow! Again, who's going to manage, and 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 what happens then to those that are that are in the in the nursing home that you can't get to? Yeah. So one of the things, like I, I recently went through, is you know my my folks are in retirement age, and like if they get sick, then somebody's going to need to make decisions, right? And and my wife, my her mom, my mother in law, same kind of deal. I mean, where are these documents? Where do they live? Because. I could very well have to go do some things for my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just kind of finding the documents, locating the documents, actually kind of been helpful for me to review. You know, I've, it's been a long time since we since we did those. But they're still good and, and everything works fine. But it, it like uh, estate planning generally is really only about a couple of things. You could talk about wills and you can talk about trust and you can talk about all the different documents. But we're really only ever managing control and access. Who has decision-making authority in a given situation? And, and what are they allowed to do? Who, who has access to my stuff? Mm-hmm. Right? And so when I'm alive and well, I'm in control and i got access to my stuff, and we tend to take that for granted. But if I get sick or if for some reason uh, I'm unable to take care of things myself, I had better name the, my surrogate decision-maker. I had better name the person who can make those decisions. And so from a financial standpoint, that document is called a financial power of attorney. From a healthcare standpoint, we do it as an advanced directive, which names the healthcare decision-maker, and then there's there's instructions. There's end of life decision in the same document, um, but all we're really doing there is again is managing the control sure. and the access in, in the event of a what if. Right? You're, li- oh, you're listening to Bisberg. I'm your host, Mike Howard, in studio once again with Tim Seckler from the Seckler Law Firm. That's S E C H L E R. So website is secklerlawfirm.com. Phone number seven two four eight four one one three. Nine three less than a week ago, Tim. I thought I was being smart. I'm driving home from here. I called my wife. I said I'm going to go. You know, my brother's in a nursing home. Yeah. Hadn't heard anything. He says I'm going to sneak in there one more time, see him, take him his provolone cheese. Well, guess what? <laughs> I got there about an hour late. They, they had put the lockdown. Yeah. Put the and of course I was glad they did. I knew it was coming, but mm-hmm. I thought I could maybe sneak inside. Talk to you know. I'm sure people are finding this out every day. They haven't heard. They don't know or whatever. They're thinking, well, I can still get in. Maybe because I have the power of attorney, which I do. But I knew. You know what? Stay out of there. Talk to us a little bit about about what people need to do in that situation, how they deal with that. You know, one of the things that's kind of tugging at your heartstrings if you're watching online right now is these pictures of the adult kids outside of the window of of mom laying in the nursing home bed. And it's it's really, you know, it's really just an unfortunate situation. Uh, And and who knows? Like, given what happened in Seattle, given what has happened overseas, we shouldn't be in there, you know, spreading stuff with the seniors. But it it just tugs at your heart that you can't get in there and see mom. But that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that people are having to go to nursing homes every day. I mean, it, there are care issues occurring, and so I, I think the best a family can do is set that senior up. And now, uh, if if like your senior that's in a nursing home doesn't have a dementia related thing, like if they're if they're with with it cognitively, maybe they're in there for mobility issues or whatnot. Um, I, you look FaceTime or you know. That's something that you can set up. You can get your, your parent an iPad, and then they, you can at least have conversations and video chats and that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing is is really just kind of making sure, uh, to the extent that we can, that we have the ability to communicate with the health care providers. One of my concerns is if that family doesn't have a living
living will. They want to call in and check on mom, and then they get some pushback from the facility. Well, you know, I'm not allowed to talk to you. I'm only allowed to talk to your sister or that kind of thing. And then um, so we, we need to at least understand who are the appointed decision makers and who's able to do that because the fact that, that we're restricting physical access to locations doesn't change the fact that healthcare facilities are, are restricted in how they can disseminate information with the HIPAA laws, right? They're, right. they're not just allowed – anybody that calls and says, how's grandma doing, they're not allowed to just give that information out. So we really should be uh, having these conversations ahead of time with the facilities to say, okay, we understand that we can't get in there right now. We understand why we can't get in there right now, but we need to set up proper channels that we can still get the information and get information to our loved one uh, because what – what we don't want to do is live in a period of unknown and we don't know how mom's doing. Yeah. You're listening to Bisberg again. I'm your host, Mike Howard, in studio with Tim Seckler from the Seckler Law Firm, and that's S-E-C-H-L-E-R, SecklerLawFirm.com. Tim, I think take a minute and just talk about the impact of what we're talking about, keeping families from turmoil and infighting down the road. I've seen, I know you, you've seen it plenty, and this can be avoided by taking care of this. Uh, these kind of situations now. Yeah, for sure. Um, listen, families fight, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and and the fights, in my opinion, tend to get worse when there's no rule book, right? Exactly. So, so it's it's kind of like you take. I, I think of a situation. You know, one of the most commonly litigated or, or ugly estate issues is is mom. It's a second marriage type situation with split children. Mm-hmm. And, whose asset was what, and somebody passed away first, and the kids were misinformed. And look, a lot of this is, I can't tell you how many families I've met who are in that situation. They may have been married on the second marriage 10 years, but they've never really talked about this. And and you've got you've to sort of uh, get your thoughts down, because if you don't if you don't plan appropriately, and if you don't do like some level of communication with those kids, the kids, your kids are making up stories. Your kids are making up that they're going to get an inheritance or that, you know, so and so is going to take all this, and you know. But if we can communicate it a little bit uh, to the extent that you're willing to, and, and at least plan for it and have the documents say what you want to have happen, ultimately the kids can fight all they want. But if the estate plan is well drafted and we know what your intentions are then we're good to go. So uh, part of this is just making sure that you've truly thought this thing through and then got those desires on paper. Because if you don't make those decisions, somebody in a black robe is going to make those decisions <laughs> for you, and, and it may not work out the way that you wanted it to. And a weird little thought hit me before you got here for us to come in the studio with these documents, and I want you to review those basic ones again real quick before the show ends. Where do we keep these? I mean, let's, let's you know, obviously, unfortunately, homes catch fire, whatnot. I mean, safes, uh, freezers. What, what's your copies somewhere? <laughs> you know, else? I, I think you keep them in the home somewhere. Okay. Safes, fire boxes. One of the things that uh, is the biggest challenge is families value these documents, and they are important. But then they take them to the bank and put them in the bank box. Well, but the document that allows the family to get into the bank box is in the bank box. Right? <laughs> well, that's which, a good point. Which doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I, that's a good I point. just tell people throw them on the throw them on that shelf at home when the kids come in for you know a visit or whatever. You see that shelf up there. Something happens to me. That's where the important documents are because if the house does catch on fire, we can reprint and re-execute documents. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I'd, I'd like to to chat about briefly again yeah. is just to hit this point one more time. Um, 
if you have a loved one in a nursing home right right now and you don't have the proper documents in place, we need to get those documents in place, assuming we can, uh, meaning assuming the person still has the capacity to execute those documents. But oh, yeah. also understand that one of the biggest frustrations I have is that families kind of freeze when somebody goes in the nursing home. They've heard about like the Medicaid five-year look-back period. They're, they're under the impression there's nothing that they can do. And oftentimes there's a lot we can do. You just need to reach out. There, there's lots of opportunity even after someone is in a nursing home to be able to protect assets. Reach out to us and, and we'll, we'll teach you what that's all about. Excellent. You're listening to Bisberg. I'm your host, Mike Howard, and we are in studio once again with Tim Seckler from the Seckler Law Firm, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, SecklerLawFirm.com, 724-841-1393. And the, the basic things that people ought to have in place, basic documents are? The will, the power of attorney, the health care directive, and then there's a lot of people that should consider using some trusts. Yeah. In particular, uh, we use trusts uh, to avoid probate, or we might use a certain type of trust to protect assets from long-term care expenses. And, you know, that that's really some complicated stuff, uh, and, and it's kind of hard to address in a, in a conversation like this. But that's why anchoring back to what we were saying uh, 20 minutes or so ago is – Check out my website. Check out the webinars that we're doing. Yeah. If you if you can't make one of the webinars, we can get you the video recording of the thing. But uh, we we have some content that we can provide to you that says, okay, why does somebody go from using a will to using a trust? And then how does this thing work? And should I put my house in the trust? Uh, so we can provide you with some good education uh, via video right now since we're in a time period where we really can't get together as much. Again, the website is Seckler Law Firm, S-E-C-H-L-E-R Law Firm. Dot com. Uh, not that maybe people are going to run out to offices today, but you're up north, you're down south, you can cover a lot of people in the area that we are at. We're doing our best. I mean, like I told you, uh, our phone's ringing kind of off the hook right now yeah, because imagine. everybody's concerned about this stuff, and they should be. Um, and we're just we're just coming up with some innovative ways to be able to get that process and make it easier for you and get these documents because we, we want to be able to, to make people uh, have the ability to feel at ease. Who knows? Maybe we'll just set up a watch party, too, when I Facebook Live with Tim. Who there knows? you go. Yeah. It could be interesting. Again, we've been in the studio with Tim Seckler from the Seckler Law Firm, S-E-C-H-L-E-R Law Firm dot com. His phone number is 724-841-1393. And uh, with our last few seconds, Tim, I got to mention it. I thought maybe our WVU Mountaineers had a chance in the tourney, but we're never going to know, are we? They didn't just have a chance. It was a lock. They had that thing, <laughs> they had that thing down. You're going to make a run. Yeah, I know a lot of people are uh, are suffering without any sports, but this is a good time. Like we said, get online, get educated. I know a lot of museums have tours and things. Make the best of it, right? All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tim, good to have you with us again. Seckler Law Firm, S-E-C-H-L-E-R Law Firm.com. Phone number 724-841-1393. See you next time on Bisberg.